0: Part of human nature is we like to complain. Um, we don't have to train, get trained to do that. I mean, you ask any mother that has kids, know how to complain. They'll, they'll whine. I thought it was interesting this past week uh, at Yellowstone National Park, you know, they got these little visitor things you can fill out, make comments, and one, one family person that visited wrote out a comment, and they have an area for a concern. Here's what they wrote. Our visit was wonderful, but we never saw any bears. Please train your bears to be where guests can see them. <laughs> this was an expensive trip not to see any bears. Uh, that sounds like human nature, doesn't it? It is hard to please people. Lots of unhappy campers. The answer, contentment. we will look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul has some things to say about contentment. So turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to pick up at verse 6. So stand with me as we read God's Word. And here Paul writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Uh, Father, we just thank you that you're a God that gives us what we need, that you do provide, that you always watch over us. And Lord, we just pray you would build in us, strengthen this grace of contentment. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Wearsby defines contentment. He says, it's an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. That's contentment. Uh, Paul, when he wrote the Philippians, he wrote them, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Well, let's take a look and see what Paul says about contentment. And he gives an insight in each of these verses, the three verses we'll look at. Uh, The first one is, contentment sees true wealth. Look at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That verse is tying us back to the previous verse, verse 5. And remember, Paul in verse 5 was Teaching about false teachers who are destitute of truth and really have a warped view of money and godliness. They suppose that gain is godliness, there in verse 5. So we've seen that the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has always been around for a long time. These guys were advocating it. If you're godly, if you have enough faith, you should be wealthy and blessed. I remember one time in class, Dr. Humphrey, uh, he'd served a number of years as a missionary in Africa. But he said one time he was there and they had a volunteer team come from, come from the United States. And there was a pastor that came from the South. And he said he was preaching to these Africans. And he was telling them how big his house was, how many cars he drove, how many suits he had to wear, how many shoes he had to put on. And, of course, none of them there had shoes. And then he made the application that they had more faith, were more godly, that they could have those things like he has. Uh, Dr. Humphrey said he was ashamed. Uh, I think all of us would be. Well, Paul says the Bible never teaches such stuff. And that's why he says these uh, false teachers in verse 5, that's the kind of view they have. And he says, from such withdraw yourself." We looked at that last week. Uh, Jesus pointed out to the disciples how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because those things can hinder us. It's about as likely as a camel going through the eye of a needle. But with God it can be done. But contentment sees true wealth. And that's why in verse 6, Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. In fact, that beginning word could be indeed godliness with contentment is great gain. Now remember, godliness is piety, reverence, likeness to God. It describes true holiness, spirituality, virtue. And when we combine godliness with contentment, that is great gain. And Paul tells us our contentment really comes from God. That is our source. You know, to the Corinthians he wrote, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's where it comes from. And God is able to give us sufficiency in all things. And Paul depended on that. Just turn back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. In verse 11, Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to the full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, Paul is saying our contentment Our sufficiency comes from God. It doesn't come from man or the things of man. I love that African American spiritual, this joy that I have. Uh, It says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. And then that next verse goes, this peace that I have. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. And the third verse says, this Holy Ghost that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and it cannot take the Holy Ghost away. You see, if the world, whatever the world gives us, it can take away. But whatever is given to us of God, we keep it. And godliness brings contentment and spiritual riches. And that's why materialism. When we buy into materialism, materialism will overlook godliness. In fact, materialism will trample out godliness. That's what it'll do. If we just center on things, uh, the physical, uh, making money, getting stuff, Godliness is going to become a distant thing. It'll be unknown. It'll be a distant priority. And that's why Jesus in the parable of the sower, remember he talked about a man casting seed on different types of ground. Some was rocky. Some was kind of shallow, had a little dirt on it. Some seed was cast into thorns. And when Jesus explained it, especially the thorns, He said, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. That's what it does. Materialism kills godliness and the word. That's why Jesus said, Be careful, of the cares of the world and the riches and going after these things. Contentment sees true wealth. Now let's move to our next verse. Contentment sees eternity. Verse 7 For we brought nothing into this world, it is certain we can. Carry nothing out. There's a reason we don't see U-haul trailers behind hearses. going to the cemetery. You know many times a person, when, when they die, and especially if they have any wealth, people will often ask, "How much did they leave?" Tell you what? The answer is the same for every person, rich or poor, when we die they left it all Amen. not taking anything with you verse 7 affirms that in fact in, verse, in the Greek that word nothing is in first place in the sentence for emphasis nothing we brought in to this world nothing we're gonna take out Uh, Job, he, he, he recognized that. Remember in the book of Job, that first chapter, Job was a wealthy man, but he was a godly man. And if you remember, in one day, he got all this news, his servants kept coming in and telling him, all your cattle have been stolen, your sheep, your camels, his total wealth was gone. And another one came in, your seven sons and your three daughters, they were killed. He lost everything. And what did Job say? Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. He recognized that truth. And so does Paul. You see, the danger of materialism is that it overlooks godliness. And it will also focus on the temporary. It can't see beyond the physical. You see, the materialistic person it is blinded by stuff. It only sees short range. And we live uh, in a materialistic society. We've gone from houses with single-car garages to houses with double-car garages, and now triple-car garages. We have shops, we have storage sheds. We park our $30,000 cars in the driveway so we keep stuff in the garage. I'm guilty, I do that. But the thing is all this stuff has a shelf life. And it's really short and it's going to be discarded. I remember in our old house on salties. I had an old jar of peanut butter. It was a, had a shelf life that was dated years before. I, look, I remember looking at that thing Yes, I said, I know I should throw this way. But being the good pack racket I am, I kind of put it in the back. <laughs> Erica comes over. She's digging around in there. Didn't know she got into the peanut butter. Gets that jar? Would you put on bread or a cracker? Celery? Oh, that was, okay. It was bad. It was it was rancid. Yeah, I have never heard the end of this story. I st- I still I still hear it every so often. It 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 should have been thrown away. It was, yeah, it was rancid. No, I could one whiff of that stuff. (laughs) But you know what? Everything physical has a shelf life like that peanut butter. And in time, it is going to be bad and just tossed out. Everything physical is like that. It has a shelf life. It may not be written officially on it, but it's going to have one. And contentment sees beyond the physical to the eternal. Jesus taught us to have this viewpoint. If you turn to the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now we need certain things to live. But let's make sure that we are preparing (coughs) for eternity. Investing in eternity. Putting our hearts and treasure in eternal things. And Jesus said, that's so important. No, physical stuff, it's just gonna go bad. It can be stolen. But eternal things, where we put our treasure there, those are forever. The money we give uh, to our our church, for missions, that's an eternal investment. And, And every Christian should be a giver because that's our Father. God, our Father, is a giver. And we need to reflect that. That's eternal our time and our talent, everything we use to serve each other, that is eternal. That's an eternal investment. People are eternal. Don't forget that. You know, Jesus loves us. He places great value on us. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What shall a man give in, in exchange for his soul? Do you see the price tag of a human life? It doesn't have one, it's far above the whole value of this world. So, what we invest in people is, is so important. I have never regretted anything I've done for my children. That was an eternal investment. I've never regretted anything I've given to my church or for missions. I never thought, man, I wish I had have that money back. I'm glad I, I was able to give it. That's eternal investment. Building treasure in heaven. Someone took your bank statement, your checking book, because most of us don't have checking books anymore, do we? But if we looked at your bank statement where you spend your money, what would it say about us? What are we investing in? Hopefully there's some eternal things there. So, contentment sees true wealth. Contentment also sees eternity. And then contentment sees the simple. Look at verse 8, back in 1 Timothy 6. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. You see, materialism will overlook godliness. It'll see only the physical, the temporary, and materialism complicates life. In the book of Proverbs, Augur shows great wisdom in chapter 30 of Proverbs. He gives very good perspective. And in Proverbs 30, verse 7, he says, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Great wisdom. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still, and take the name of my God in vain. You know, a lot of people uh, talk about wishing they could win the lottery. No, you don't. You don't want that, because most of us couldn't handle that. We shouldn't be binos anyway. But the Wisdom of Proverbs. There's a, it's good to be ordinary. It is good to be average. To have just enough. Not overabundance. A food speaks of a sufficient supply of food. That's what Paul's talking about in 1 Timothy. Having food and raiment. Good to have just the right amount. Israel, in their 40-year experience, they learned dependence upon God. Remember every day they'd go out and get the manna? And, and if you remember, that would be enough for the day. They were to gather no more. If they gathered more than enough, it rotted. Went bad. Got worms in it. Uh, and God taught them every day for 40 years. Just enough for that day. Depend on Him. And isn't it interesting? Jesus in his prayer, in the Lord's prayer, prays, give us this day our daily bread. That's where we need to be. That's contentment. Having just what we need. Raiment speaks of a place to live, sufficient clothing, cover, and Paul says if we have food and we have raiment uh, covering a place to live and clothing, we should be content. The more stuff we get, the more we have to manage. You know, I read of people who have three or four homes, five homes. Uh, one, one home is enough for me to manage. That keeps me plenty busy. Simple is good. It really is. And that's so overlooked in our world today. Contentment treasures the simple things. cup of coffee in the morning. The soft ears of a lab. The purr of a nice cat. Nice cat. (laughs) Shoes to put on. Drive. A place of work. A place to live. A loving wife and family. Ice cream and chocolate syrup. Not going to forget that one. Sweet watermelon. It tastes better when you stand in the kitchen and eat it over the sink. With a granddaughter. Summer evenings. Coloring books. Smile of a friend. A church to go to. A thermos. Pocket knife. Watching a cow or a horse graze. Voices of children. The sound of rain. Yeah. Clear blue skies, maybe someday. Holding a Bible. Reading a song. Taking a nap. There are simple treasures filling every day. The writer of Charlotte's Web's I shared on Sunday nights. Always be on the lookout for the presence of wonder. And it's going to be usually found in the little things. Contentment with godliness, sees the wonder that is often overlooked. The simple. Past week I was listening to Ray Comfort in an interview with Janet Parshall. And and he really can read our, our times, our society. And he says, the number one sin of America today is idolatry. And I think he's right. We look at the Ten Commandments and and God deals right away, right up front, that we're to worship him only. Nothing else. And yet how many other things we let come in, kind of push God out, and it becomes an idol that we use to serve ourselves. Contentment with godliness brings us back to that right priority. I'm going to have Jonathan and Leilanne come come back up. I want us to think, as we look over our life, as we look over this past week, have I been content? Have I strived for godliness? and placing God where he needs to be in my life? Did he have priority this week, each day? Did I give him that time I need to? Or was I more interested in other things, other stuff? Is there something in my life I need to take and just lay it aside and let God have that position? What is God speaking today?